Oh, we had to do this game yesterday where we had to pass the clap. Wait, pass the clap? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm dying, like fully deceased about passing the clap. Hello and welcome, ladies and gents, to a slightly late Denalysis Fantasy Football podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and as always, I'm joined by Natalie. As I said, coming at you a bit late this week, thanks to the Man United-Arsenal game on Monday night. And I swear to you, never again. It's it's not worth it. It's not worth the pain and suffering. And thanks to Mike from work. Natalie didn't even get to see most of the match, but I had my I had my captain playing in it, so it was a... It was not only an ordeal to get through Arsenal versus Man United at Old Trafford, but I also had my captain playing. I had to wait all weekend for it. And that that alone was was suffering enough. And I think we've got another one in a couple of weeks with, with Arsenal playing on Monday night against Sheffield United. So, uh, yeah, not, not the best. Um, Natalie, how did your week go in the fantasy football game week seven? I finally scored above average. Yes, that's what I like to hear. Yeet, yeet, yeet. Uh, yeah, that's it. Does it, it feel good? That's it, really. Do you feel like the like you could go on to win the whole thing? But, no, um, but we do you have... You could, a, though, um, maybe. No, we do have a bit of a situation in that I don't think I'm going to wildcard anymore. Okay, I like it. I didn't know you were going to wildcard anyway. Yeah, in the international break. I'm, I, I mean, I, I oh yeah, no, that was your long-term plan. Yeah, it no, was. sorry, my bad. Um, rude. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that anymore because I actually quite like my team now. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking a similar sort of thing. I mean, I've had my wildcard sitting around. I know a lot of people did it, what, like three, four weeks ago when yeah. Pookie was firing and then Abraham and Mount and all these players emerged and... For me, I just I look at my team and I look at the changes I could make and I could probably fix what I perceive right now to be three or four problems. Mm. Um, but to be honest with you, like the biggest problem I have in my team is actually just that some players have dropped in price a little bit and I think they may continue to to drop in price, like Shea Adams, for example, who people will probably gasp at the idea that I still have him in my team, but like. I don't. I, I look at the other players in that price range, and Chris Wood is a guy I could bring in for him. But then at the same time, I'm like, if Shea Adams starts next week, I could see him scoring against Chelsea. Their defense isn't amazing, and it's it's surely only a matter of time. And he's not eating up loads of cash. So I, I kind of I look at the other options, and I think we're starting to see now after you know Pookie and Abraham they've blanked twice in a row, and you're starting to see that these guys aren't going to score every week. Because this is what happens every season. Football yeah. never works out the way you think it will after the first three or four games of the season. Which is also why I'm getting annoyed about everyone hyping up Leicester for the top four. But that's a whole other thing. What are you going to say? I think in Abraham's defence, he did have a lot of chances and was just oh, he quite did. unlucky. Um, Pookie didn't, on the other hand. But... Yeah, po- Norwich away isn't the one, is it? I am. Uh... Um, uh, so I saw someone tweet this the other day and I was about to like, get on their case and be like but actually if you look at the games they've played away from home they've all been against like good defensive teams and then i realized west ham was one of the games and i was like ah maybe it's maybe it's too early to make that point um i i'm not sure if it's just an away from home thing i I think it could be the types of teams they're playing but that is certainly the pattern it's following at the moment and you would have to to worry about those away games for your your Norwich players it's certainly 
if you are going for the renegade sort of differential pookie captain or cantwell captain every now and then probably don't do it when they're playing away from home because the numbers ain't good so far but no you're right about abraham he did uh even from the highlights looked pretty good had a few good chances and i think it's just a case of you know that guy was massively outperforming his xg for the first few weeks of the season and what he scored like seven goals in three games or something that was never going to be sustainable Mm. anyway um but especially not for like a 23 year old or however old he is so not too many surprises there but you know i guess let's let's just jump straight into the I was going to say the meat of the podcast, but I kind of hate that turn of phrase. The the exciting Game Week 7 review part of the podcast. Uh, so there are a few, a few top performers this week. Jamie Vardy, probably the standout. I think he's still owned by less than 10% of, of fantasy teams. But a 12-point haul for him, two goals, and Newcastle absolutely fell apart. Is Vardy is Vardy someone that's worth sort of tinkering with your team structure for, Natalie? Or is this a guy that we should really be on a radio a radar? What are you thinking? Leicester play Liverpool this weekend, so it's probably not worth getting him in right now. Um, but I think he is definitely if one if you're wild carding or two if you're just fed up of whoever you have as a striker. Or mm. you want to down like if you have Kane and you want to downgrade him and spend more money elsewhere. Mm. Um, I think Vardy is a really good option, and I think keeping him. Obviously, they've had tough fixtures the last two games as well. I think this is kind of proof of why one should like this game is proof of why one should keep him around. And maybe you, if you have someone in your team who you do think is is good and is worthwhile it's maybe worth keep like sticking with them through a rough package of fixtures unless there's anything else that's obviously glaringly better to do it's worth sticking with that player and making changes elsewhere whilst they have those bad fixtures and then when games like this crop up you've got them to do the good um, Fardy scored 14 goals in the last 17 games since Brendan Rodgers took over Leicester, which is quite nice. It's quite reassuring that he will continue to do so. Um, and those are my hot takes. Thank you very much. Yeah, so he does kind of perform at maybe a higher level than his price would suggest at times. And I mean, he's up there with the, the top strikers in the game at the moment. Um, still slightly behind Pookie, but him and Callum Wilson both on 46 points. And uh, uh, is that right? No, sorry, he's on 44 at the moment. Callum Wilson's on 46. Abraham's also on 46. So you've got, there's kind of a little a little bracket emerging there. The next one behind um, Vardy and Kane, who are both on 44, is Josh King with 36 and mm. Rashford with 36. Those lot, like Vardy, Kane, Firmino, Abraham, Wilson, Puki, Aubameyang, Naguero, these are all sitting in the 40, 44 plus point mark. And I think we're starting to see the players who you could maybe look at for for sticking with for a, a bit longer. And Vardy, of course, is a proven player. Like you say, 14 goals in, was it 17 games? Yeah. Under Brendan Rodgers. And I think perhaps what's interesting is it, it seems that, Brendan has just, he knew when he was coming into the club, like Vardy is the main man, and I'm going to 
make sure I get the best out of him. And I don't think Vardy, he's not a player who lights up every game because a lot of the time he doesn't see much of the ball, but he always has that in his locker to to get a goal or two. And I think similar could be said for Callum Wilson, who's looking really good value at 7.9. These are players who have proven Premier League records and are really showing some some really good consistency. Um, But I think Vardy, he seems to have that knack for scoring sort of two or three goals in a game and and that can be really valuable and at 8.9 I think that's very reasonable price uh I just struggle fitting him in with my my structure really like the only it's probably the only good reason I could justify a wildcard for my team is if I wanted to do something like put Avadi like a nine million striker into my team um, but the fact I'm playing with Aubameyang at 11 million makes that quite hard to do without making quite drastic cuts in the midfield. And I don't know, it, it, it feels quite hard to identify like what the perfect team structure is at the moment. I yeah. don't think there's any clear evidence that any one strategy is bulletproof. I have and, kind of like on. exactly the opposite issue is mm. I looked at Arsenal's fixtures just now and was like, fuck I'm going to need a Bamiyang. <laughs> but there is no, without ripping up my entire team, there's absolutely no way to get him. Like, it's just not feasible. And I think now you either have to go with this, like, one premium, like, especially where strikers are concerned, you have to go with this one super premium striker, like either Kane, I don't mm. know how much Kane is, Kane, Bamiyang, uh, or Aguero. Yeah. And then work the rest out. Or you can go with, like, Fardy, Firmino, or even with, like, Tammy and Wilson. And that's kind of where you start. But you can't kind of mix and match between those levels. It just doesn't Mm. seem to really work because then you're sacrificing a lot of the rest of your team. Yeah, essentially you can do it, but you have to not have the 11 million, 12 million midfielder. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem, isn't it? I think there is an argument and really the problem at the moment is the fact that someone like Pepe isn't delivering and the Son as well, like he's what, 9.5. And although he has been delivering points, like I wouldn't, would anyone feel comfortable right now backing a Spurs player with the way they're playing? With the 7-2 loss they just accumulated. Oh, yeah. So they're (laughs) recording just after the Champions League game and they've been beaten 7-2 by Bayern Munich with Serge Gnabry, ex-Arsenal player, scoring four goals, which is just kind of a little bit upsetting, really, isn't it? It's like, could could have been an Arsenal player, left us behind and now he's strutting his stuff in the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, Son is up to 9.7. I mean, he arguably performed again this this week with an assist, but it was by no means a, a comfortable win for for Spurs. So I think that's the real problem you have. Like, besides De Bruyne, there isn't anyone in that sort of 7 to 9 million range that is really performing above and beyond, except for maybe Riyad Mahrez. Mm. who I think is 8.5 at the moment in case he's unless he's um risen in price but he's a very interesting one to me actually because I was looking at yeah he's still 8.5 I was looking at him the other day and I was like if I was to wildcard I could bring in Mares for Sterling and that frees up so much cash 
And if we look at Mares at the moment, he's only one point behind Raheem Sterling for, for his total score with three double-figure hauls so far this season. And outside of that, he's had four blanks. Um, but in those blanks, he's played a grand total of just well, over 100 minutes, about 140 yeah. minutes, with one of them being 90 minutes against Brighton. Uh, all of the rest being substitute appearances. Yeah. I'm wondering, and I think it's maybe a bit too early to go for the go for the Mares move because I feel like this we've already seen it a few times this season and I think I'm kind of suspecting this is what is going to be the case with Tamu Puki I think he's really going to fall off and he's going to struggle over the next sort of couple of months but I could be wrong um but yeah I, I feel like it's still slightly too early to go for him because although he played an absolutely amazing game there is that that potential for him to just find himself on the bench like three or four games in a row in this period where where City are playing Champions League as well. So that's it. I think that's the problem is that Pep seems really keen to give everyone like an equal share of minutes across Premier League and Champions League. So that's why um, Aguero didn't start at the weekend is because Mm. he was like, well, I wanted Aguero to start in the Champions League. It's very methodical, isn't it? Yeah. You can kind of see the way he's doing it. Like he, like Sterling, for example, I think he... He didn't start... Oh, I mean, sorry, he started at the weekend. He He came on at 55 minutes today. Yeah. So we can kind of assume that he'll maybe start on the weekend. But at this point, also, you can't assume anything. But you can, I guess, because there's internationals next week. So I guess you can assume that Sterling will start. Who knows? Uh, Who are they playing? So... City have Wolves. Yeah. You think that'd be a Raheem Sterling game because Wolves gave him a lot of problem uh gave him a lot of problems last season. What was I saying? Yeah, Sterling played in the Carabao Cup for I I can't remember if it was a ninety minutes or just um just the no, start. No, he but... came I thought he came on. Oh, oh no, shit. I like I know, maybe he started and then came off. But it was because he hadn't played at all the game week before. Yeah, that's so what I was gonna say. Of... So he started two games in a row and now he's had one off. And there does seem to be an element of this sort of two-on, one-off rotation with with Pep because it was a similar sort of thing with Aguero playing, I think he played the first Champions League game and then played the weekend following that and then off for the the Carabao Cup. Although, yeah, he was off for the Premier League and then back on. So that was like two-on, two-off. It's it's very weird, but I, I do feel like the clear two are still you know, Sterling and Aguero, they're the two who are going to start most games for sure. There's still a question mark with Mares. I was going to say, like, yeah, if there's any doubt that Man City might not win the game, those are the two players that definitely come on. Yeah. Like Aguero, where Aguero came in on in on Saturday. It, yeah. To me, it was like, ah, oh, we need to switch out and put Aguero on. Yeah. And today it was like Sterling got that first goal I don't know what it ended as but Sterling got the first goal yeah and uh, just after he'd come on so it was clearly a we need a goal KDB isn't around Sterling come on yeah do the thing it's it's those two and Kevin De Bruyne they're the players that that Pep clearly relies on they're sort of the three standout players in that team but Mahrez is certainly making a case for himself and I think yeah. he's he didn't really play at all last season. Like he had a few games where he played quite well, but there was no consistency in his starting really. He he got 
probably about 10 starts over the course of the season in the league. Mm. Um, but they did highlight this on Match of the Day, how he is doing the things that Pep Guardiola wants his attackers to do. Like he was very motivated when it came to winning the ball back when they lose it and, and putting it, it was very noticeable in the game, actually, just quite how hard he worked when the ball was going the other way. He would be sprinting and he'd be trying to win those those one-on-one duels with um, Everton players when they're in possession. And I thought that's something that we haven't, we didn't ever see that with Mares at Leicester. And we didn't see that with Mares last season when he did play. So you have to think that if he's going to start adding that to his game, he's going to stand a lot more chance to get a lot more starts. And he could become a very, very good cheap City option in midfield. And he could be competitive with someone, uh, someone like Sterling in terms of his points. Uh, and at 8.5, that's just kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? So speaking of some nice, cheap, cheaply priced, valuable attackers, Wilson and King at Bournemouth have a very appetizing run of fixtures coming and they play Arsenal away next which maybe on paper isn't the greatest fixture but you know Arsenal they they like to concede a goal or two Wilson and King at 7.9 and 6.3 respectively what do we think of Bournemouth Bournemouth as a whole I don't know but these two players I think this is like a really good um example of where the game has like place like priced players correctly. Yeah. Um because both are obviously good and I think both are worth having at this point. I don't know if both are worth having together, but either are worth Definitely having in, not. <laughs> yeah, either are worth having in your team. So I have Ings at the moment, infuriatingly. Um <laughs> on the bench. <sighs> I knew. As soon as I benched him I knew, I knew. Like I'm not even mad about it. I'm actually mm. not mad about it because I just knew it was inevitable. Um, but I am looking to change him to King and I might do it this week just for the Arsenal game to see what happens because mm. it might be fun. Um, but I didn't realise King was priced so reasonably at 6.3. Mm. I think that's a really good price. So King has two goals and three assists so far this season, whereas Wilson at 7.9 has five goals and three assists. And I, I've never seen, I don't think, pricing within one team. Mm like be reflected so well in this almost in... like it is completely commensurate to their output yeah yeah and i really rate it and i think the the best thing about it is that you can pick which one fits best within your team for your budget hmm. and i really ra- and and both will serve i hope both would serve one well um so that's that's my hot take i'm gonna get king in either this week or over the break yeah you're welcome thank you wilson is is clearly the standout for me i mean he abamyang and aguero the the three players in the league yet to blank was kdb one as well i think kdb blank yeah we decided he did at some point yeah those three still yet to blank with abamyang scoring last night and getting the the three bonus points um Callum Wilson, yeah, he doesn't. So he doesn't always get the the double figure. He's only got one double figure haul so far this season, but there is some overwhelming consistency about his performances and his real uh, key contributions in the games. And I think with his position being the central striker and just showing how little he needs to score a goal, I, I think he's a really really impressive player. And um, yeah, the fact that he got literally one chance in this game against West Ham 
and scored it. And it's just when you don't own him as well, I find it very hard to watch Bournemouth because I know that I can be watching this game and I never feel comfortable knowing that Wilson's on the pitch because I won't see him for like 30 minutes. He won't do anything. But I know if he gets the ball in the box, it's probably going to end up in the back of the net. And I think from a fantasy football perspective, you really want players that that make you feel like that because you know there's a, a reason you fear them. And I don't think he really struggles to score against any any team in particular. Um, got the assist against Man City, although that was technically for winning a free kick that Wilson, Harry Wilson, his namesake, um, scored an absolute worldie from. But yeah, I, I've been kind of learning a bit about Bournemouth this season. And it was that that game against Southampton where Southampton dominated possession. They had like 26 shots. They're the better team, hands down. And then at the end of it, Wilson is walking away, uh, walking away with a goal and it's 3-1 to Bournemouth. They are just, they're very good at scoring goals and winning games. And 7.9, I think, is a real bargain for him. King, on the other hand, he's, yeah, similar price to someone like Chris Wood. Um, those are the only two players in that range at the moment who really look worth going for, I think. Um, yeah, I think they're both very good options. I think the difference you're going to see is King will not score every game. He won't get points every game. And he's, I don't know, he's a strange one because I thought he played a really, really good game against um, West Ham and he was a lot more involved than Callum Wilson. But I just think his his role is a little bit more in support rather than being a goal scorer. That said, he is the penalty taker for, for Bournemouth. So if that's something that, that kind of tickles your fancy, you can have the penalty taker and the guy who, who supports Callum Wilson. Um, but he has looked impressive this, this season. So I think if you're looking for a Bournemouth attacker and you can't quite fit in Callum, who is, who is going to be, over the course of the season, the real winner, then I think King is certainly a, a good option to look at. Um, mm-hmm. And midfield-wise, I don't think... I know Harry Wilson has been a semi-popular choice, but Wilson and Fraser and their weird like rotation, I, I don't think there's really any value there. So... Especially not when you have midfielders like West Ham do. Hmm. Sensational. What a segue. Um, yeah, Yarmolenko, six million, three goals in the last four games, and a massive differential with three percent ownership. And you brought him in this week, didn't you, Natalie? I did. My renegade transfer. You sly dog. And I remember so you told me about it on WhatsApp and I was like, oh, like in my head, I was like is she brought in Callum Chambers? Is that the one? <gasps> <laughs> so I was I was going like proper renegade with my thoughts. And no, it was Yarmolenko who turned out to be a banger of a pick. Talk to uh, me about Yarmolenko. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I, you know what, actually? Um, <laughs> I actually like made a mistake when I was looking at his stats. I thought he'd done yeah. more than he had. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I just liked the punt. I, I wanted... Um, I wanted a West Ham attacker anyway. We've been talking about this for weeks. Um, and Alain just wasn't an option for me. And neither. And I guess Lanzini hasn't been starting every game either. So I just thought, you know what? We take a punt on Yarmolenko. We see how it goes. I'm wildcarding over the break anyway. So what does it matter? Hmm. And turned out it worked quite nicely for me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, just to... Uh, point out Lanzini he the reason he hasn't been starting is because he picked up a little injury so uh-huh. 
he uh, missed the last few games, but he, he's come back, uh, came back off the bench at the weekend. But yeah, I, I do think this team, Felipe Anderson is way too expensive at 6.9. Uh, Lanzini at 6.5 could turn out to be, be well-priced, but Yarmolenko at 6.0 is significantly outperforming his price at the moment. And, and I think he was 5.9 when I bought him in. Yeah. Um, and he has this Iron Robin-esque ability to just do exactly what you think he's going to do, yet you can't stop it happening, where he just cuts <laughs> in on his left foot and shoots, and every time it goes in. It's kind of ridiculous, really, because he's not even that... He's not that fast or that nimble, but he just has... He has the knack, and I think he's a very good value pick, and yeah, West Ham is certainly a team I'd be looking at. I mean, their fixtures... They're very good on paper, but they do come up against a number of stubborn defences. So it's not it's not plain sailing. Mm. Um, but that's why I think one player from West Ham should be on your agenda, not two or three. That's maybe a bit bit too far. Um, Unless in Diop of, is involved, in yeah, which case, say, go ham. Although uh, well, Fabianski has picked yeah. up a three-month injury, which is perhaps worrying for Diop owners like yourself and I. Mm. How are you feeling about that? Do you, do you think that's a warning sign for us? Um, I don't know. I think really in a similar, in a similar but different kind of light to the Allison injury is that you should have, if you've got 4.5 defenders like um, Diop, you should have options on your bench that you can rotate to. Hmm. Um, so I need to get rid of Kiko, um, and I'm going to get Lundstrom in for him, Hmm. which then opens my possibilities a lot more because then I can rotate between Lundstrom, Diop and Dunk, uh, which is nice. But yeah, I don't know. I think I'd be far less keen on getting Cresswell in if I didn't have him. I know... A few people are looking to do that because of his attacking returns. But also, I believe that you shouldn't be banking on defenders to get attacking returns because that's not what they're there to do. You shouldn't. And also, I'd be a little bit worried about the assuredness of his starting place longer term because he's 4.9. That's very quite expensive, expensive for a West Ham defender. Yeah. That is more than you should be paying, to be honest, because they're not... I think they can be good differentials at times. Like I, I think that someone like Diop does have the opportunity to score maybe one or two goals a season, but you shouldn't be paying more than 4.5 for a West Ham defender. It's just, it's a bad use of your budget. You may yeah. as well at that point save up an extra million and get someone good um, or someone more reliable, let's say, not someone yeah. good. Uh, but also, yeah, with Masuaku, I think Masuaku was first choice at the start of the season. He got sent off and then Cresswell scored uh, scored a goal, scored the winning goal against Man United. So, or not the winning goal, but the second goal against Man United. So he essentially nailed down his place for the next week, but that is by no means a permanent situation. So I wouldn't, um, wouldn't be spending 4.9 in that direction. But speaking of... So if you do have Fabianski and you do, and whoever you have on your bench is trash... Pope, Henderson and Heaton would be our recommendations. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I'd also, if you don't already have three Liverpool players, I probably would look at Adrian. Although, I don't know how, I long, he's, but okay. how long he's got left. Yeah, maybe it's not worth it, though, if you're getting out Fabianski and then you're getting in Adrian and then Alisson's going to be back. Hmm. 
before yeah, that. How long, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't actually... Do, do you know when Alison is back? Because I just no. assumed he was never coming back at this point. Oh. Um, <laughs> no, but it must be before Fabianski would come back. Yeah, maybe like after the international break. Yeah, I'm It's kind sure. of a... I just forgot he existed, really. Yeah, me Alison too. Alison at this point. Uh, and I would like to shout out to Alaire as well, who... I know obviously hasn't been the return hasn't been getting the returns that we hoped he would be a few weeks ago. But I still think he is I mean, if you haven't got anything more pressing or like if you've got more pressing things on, I still think it's worth holding on to him because uh, his assist for Yarmolenko's goal to me highlighted how important Alaire is hmm. for West Ham's play and team. Yeah. I thought it was really good and I was like, Oh, that's what that man does. That's probably yeah. worth keeping him around for. Yeah, and to be fair, I actually thought this was probably his worst performance of the season, um, aside from maybe the Aston Villa game where they just really, they their attack wasn't really firing. Mm. Um, and they did get a man sent off early on, uh, fairly early on, so it caused a bit of a problem there in their attack. But I thought this was one of his worst performances, but like you say, he came away with an, an assist and just that ability to win the ball uh show, showed his agility by controlling it well and then being the first the first to get to the ball and just nod it onto uh just knock it onto his teammate i think it showed sort of how good he is at just maintaining possession in those sort of key moments so also looking at his performances i mean he's blanked in three games and he's scored points in three games and that's pretty much at 7.4 which is his current price that's actually a fairly decent return um, yeah. it's it's only slightly it looks worse because of players like Abraham and Puki who have really really outperformed or outdone themselves so far this season yeah um but we are going to start to see a lot of this evening out and i think he is playing in a in a high quality team than um maybe not than Abraham is but I think he's a, a proven striker with a, a good goal record in Germany and you'll start to see him become more and more important throughout the season. And West Ham, when they're playing the mid-table teams, that's going to be when they're, you really see the value in a player like him. Um, Bournemouth is a particularly weird one because they're a mid-table team, but they make games so weird. They make them so <laughs> sort of end-to-end and quite chaotic. Like yeah. I, I think West Ham were the better team in this game, but the ability Bournemouth have to just nick the ball when you're in comfortable possession and then get you on the back foot is is quite impressive and it's a clear tactic from them but it, it put West Ham under a lot of pressure in this game um so more good value picks John McGinn at Aston Villa and he faces Norwich next away from home which is a game I'm very excited about because this is two teams who have kind of not underperformed, but, you know, there are questions being asked now because I think they're both sort of near the bottom of the table. But Norwich Norwich City and Aston Villa, 17th and 18th respectively, hmm. and uh, just ahead of Newcastle and Watford. So Norwich have beaten Man City and Newcastle, two complete polar opposites. But I think the Man City result has sort of coloured the perception of how good Norwich are. And the reality is they're in the Premier League and... Their defensive record isn't brilliant and their away from home record isn't brilliant. So they're they're going to have to pick up points. This is, of course, a home game for them against Aston Villa. Um, but I really like the look of John McGinn. And 
you sent me a Reddit post a few weeks ago that was some guy yeah. basically saying that he's the worst pick in the entire history of the world. And it, it really quite annoyed me personally. Well, because... it stopped me getting him in. Really? Yeah, I was <laughs> going to get him that week. And then there was that post and I was like, oh, OK, yeah. I, won't, I won't do it. Um, it was, now it was look bullshit. at me. It was... Now look how foolish I look. It was such a biased post and I don't really understand where or why the bias came. Like, And I'm sure he was a Villa fan. Yeah, yeah, but he just seems to hate John McGinn, which is very <laughs> strange because... Maybe it's just like how I hate Joe Rodriguez. Maybe, but you hate him because he allegedly racistly... Racistly? Is that yes, a word? Yes, he was racistly racist. <laughs> he was racistly racist. Um, but yeah, like, we spoke about John McGinn maybe week two or three the season and yeah. i remember saying that he he is a guy who he shoots all the time and it, obviously i didn't at that time i didn't know a lot about the way he played but i compare him to someone like lampard who did the same thing you know that was lampard's game when he got the ball he would take a shot and a lot of the time it would go into the stands but then other times he would get a deflection and they'd go in or he'd score and that made him such a, a sensational fpl option um, it's similar with John McGinn, and also he has that other attribute that Lampard had, has had, yeah, because he doesn't play anymore, um, <laughs> of arriving late into the box and and finishing every time. Like, he could have had two goals in this game, if not for a, was it an offside call? It was a marginal offside? Mm, um, I don't know. In the build-up. But he, he scored, and it was ruled out by VAR, and then he scored late, later on in the game. And I was kind of celebrating then, because McGinn is a guy who has been on my shortlist for a while. And I was like, no, don't score yet. Don't, don't like, go crazy now while I don't own you. Wait until next week, please. But I've, uh, I've brought him in now for, wow. for Tillemans, because I couldn't I can deal with the shit anymore. Yeah. Um, and I just I wanted to free up some cash there. And at 5.7, that's a great price. Norwich away from home next. Brighton at home after the break. Yeah, Brighton at home after that. Then it's Man City and Liverpool back to back. So I did. It's nice you to get wanna... them out of the way in one chunk, though, I think. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, I think at 5.7, you don't mind that guy riding your bench for a week or two, right? Well, like, not at all. I might even play him against Man City because I'm very unconvinced by Man City at the moment in terms of their defending, uh, to the point where I think I'm actually going to bench Kyle Walker this weekend in favour of Diop. So that. <laughs> That's with really an, special. With an injured Fabianski, that says a whole lot of things. But yeah, I I think anyone can score against City at the moment. I don't think it's a particularly hard thing to do. Um, I just think they'll probably win most games because they're still better in attack and they still keep so much possession. But yeah, John McGinn, I, I'm, I've been really, really impressed with him. I think his XG numbers aren't great, but like... When you look at other players in that price range, most of their XG numbers aren't great. And we're only seven games into the season. So there will be outliers where someone has a really high XG, someone has a really low one and has a lot of goals from it. And and Abraham is one of those players, but um, he did have quite good XG, but he outperformed his XG by like four goals. So, you know, people are still getting him in. Um, mm. I see no reason why McGinn isn't a, a good option at that price. And with a defensively weak Norwich City in his uh, next fixture. And they have some goalkeeper fuckery as well, because Krull was out, right? Oh, yeah. And so... then they had the second keeper come in, who was a doubt anyway. And then he went off, and then the third keeper came in. And I was like, who are all these lads? Yeah, good spot. Yeah, so this guy Farman that they 
or Fairman that they signed from from the Bundesliga. And yeah, he came off just like complaining of his hand hurting or something. And McGovern had his his first minutes of the season. So yeah, it's not looking great for Norwich. Like half their defense is out, and I think the win against Man City really papered over those cracks of um, of how limited they are in numbers defensively. I I do wonder. I'm starting to look at Norwich and think, uh, thinking there could be a problem there, but they can score goals, and and that is arguably that's far more important than being able to defend in this league. But also, you don't want to be conceding two or three goals a game because it's very hard to score more than two goals in every game yeah. you play. Um, but yeah, I'm a really big fan. Are you are you looking at getting McGinn in now still or? I can't really because where I've got McNeil and Yarmolenko, like he mm. needs to come in for one of those. Yeah. And I'm kind of sold on both of those for the moment, but I'm definitely happy to keep him on my proverbial watch list. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's been really impressive and I, I really like the way he plays. He's probably the only guy I'd be looking at from Villa at the moment. Maybe one of their defenders, but... Heaton, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Heaton is probably the quote-unquote defender that I'd go for because his price and his... Yeah, he can get save points as well, which is always nice. Mm. Uh, another standout player this week was Bukayo Saka at a mere 4.5. And Right, this is so cheap, it offends me a little bit. Yeah. Well, he wasn't expected to be playing any Premier League games this season from yeah, here we are. FPL, I'm sure. He's... Basically, we've... Uh, Arsenal have been forced into the situation by literally getting rid of all of their attackers over the age of 27 besides Aubameyang and Lacazette um and Ozil of course who just kind of floats around in the background occasionally making a, a disparaging tweet about Emery um Bukayo Saka I think he was arguably the best player on the pitch for Arsenal um obviously we spoke about Aubameyang earlier I think he should be very high on your watch list and at a million cheaper than Aguero and also guaranteed to start every game. And by the looks of things, guaranteed to score every game. <laughs> yeah. I think he's a really, really overlooked option. Um, really fantastic option. And I I kind of look at it now. I'm like, I, I'm annoyed I haven't just captained him every week. Every week, yeah. <laughs> because I would have been probably slightly better off if I'd done that, even though I did get the Sterling hat trick on week one. Um so that is the the situation I'm rolling with at the moment. The only problem is Arsenal don't tend to score more than sort of two or three goals in a game. But that said, we do have a very, very kind run of fixtures with Bournemouth, Sheffield United, Crystal Palace, Wolves and Leicester coming up. Yeah, there are some sort of tough fixtures to win there. But Sakura at 4.5, I, the only sort of um, reservation I have on him is because he's a young player, he's very very likely to be the first to be hauled off in a situation where we have a red card for example or there's a a particularly tricky situation to get out of and if he's not having a good good game he's always going to be the first one to come off and also Lacazette of course will be coming back from injury shortly after the international break I think so that probably limits his minutes but his performance against Man United was really really something I think we're going to see a lot of this guy so he's Maybe if you're on a wild card and you want to take a, a punt on a 4.5, like, fifth midfielder. Yeah, I he, guess he's he could like be a, a nice one. a Cantwell alternative kind yeah. of situation. Yeah, and, and kind of like um, 
maybe I sound a bit down on on Norwich generally, but like I don't necessarily think that Cantwell what four point nine now. If you're yeah. if you don't already own him, if you didn't own him when he was four point five, or like even four point six, four point seven. He's starting to to rise in price, maybe in a way that isn't quite justified. And I really like the player, um, but I feel like there's this tendency we have to react really quickly to someone who's just scored. And and Norwich did have this nice little purple patch where they were scoring a lot of goals. And you just look at the points and you're like, oh, I have to go for this guy. But when you look at their performance against Burnley and how little they created, Pukki had one chance that was very well saved by Pope, but it just kind of showed you like when he was up against Nick Pope, he did not look like he was going to score at all. And that was very much a a good one-on-one opportunity for someone who'd been in really fine form. So I I do think he's a, a good option to look at. I think Gwendouzi is also, he's less attacking, but he's more certain to start. I think he's got to be someone who picks up the odd return here and there over the course of the season and is a good sort of fifth midfielder option if you're, well, actually, no, I think Gwendouzi might be almost up to 4.7. So he's kind of in that, almost going into that Cantwell territory I was talking about. It's 4.6 now, but he was close to rising the other day. Pepe, on the other hand, dropped a real 2 out of 10 and was not good. It's, mm. not, it's not been a good start from him. He got his little penalty goal, but I think I'll be holding on to De Bruyne unless, I, I don't know, he's injured at the moment, isn't he? There's this... Mm. rumor that he didn't train or something and he might not play so i don't know i'm worried about de bruyne uh but yeah saka very very good very good sort of outlandish risky option but it's not that's the gag is that it's not well yeah not risky risky because he's 4.5 million actually yeah i'd compare him with mason greenwood who loads of people have brought in and Mm. keep starting despite his persistence at getting one point every game is weird isn't it i yeah because i kind of put out a, a tweet about this and was like well, can someone explain this to me and it's like oh he plays every game and it's like yeah, but he plays for like 15 minutes every game in a team that doesn't really score yeah so that would be a problem to me and arsenal say what you want about their defense and everything else like uh, how well they're playing in attack they do score every game and they score quite a lot considering how few chances they create and uh, I think that is in part due to just really good execution from certain players. Aubameyang, of course, being one of them. And, and Saka proved himself to be up to the level. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not really a risk as such. It's only a risk if he stops playing longer term. But for now, he looks uh, a pretty tasty little option. And up against Bournemouth next, who have failed to keep a clean sheet for the entirety of this season so far, it's probably a good time to take that gamble, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Any other business? Yeah, I just wanted to shout out to Sheffield for being extremely good against um, Liverpool. And uh, I almost cried when poor little Dean Hendo let that ball roll in. Um, That was so unfortunate. And (laughs) I felt so bad for him. What did you think of Chris Wilder's post-match interview where he's like, I'm not going to put my arm around him? I thought that I understood his point. Yeah. But I did think it was a little... I was like, you don't need to comfort the boy. I'm sure he's fine. Yeah. Um, but I did think it was a bit harsh because he did play well. Yeah. And, you know, keepers make mistakes, as do everyone else on the pitch. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought it was... A, I understood, but I did think it was a little harsh. Yeah, it, f- it felt sort of a little bit over the top 
in his reaction but also i think reading between the lines he was trying to sort of he was trying to cultivate this sort of uh idea that you know when his players make a mistake it's not like pandering to them and being really yeah. caring it's like you're a professional like you, you'll get yeah. over this whatever um and i'm sure that's true and i'm sure he will and he of course made a fantastic save to stop mo salah from scoring yeah. a, a goal that i thought that was much in eight or nine times out of ten you'd expect salah to score that and it was very similar to the way pope um stood up against pookie it was just there was no way salah was scoring that goal he made himself so big so i thought he's looked like a really really impressive goalkeeper and Sheffield United in general as a unit like mm. they they were not conceding that day I mean Mane had two good chances he didn't score them as soon as he didn't score score those chances like they weren't going to get another one so it was it was really yeah. quite lucky in the end and Sheffield United had their chances too so I think I'm undecided on them from a, a fantasy football perspective at the moment because I think it is Lundstrom is the only place you can really look or, or Henderson yeah. they're not going to score enough from mm. one place like I think they will score goals but there's no there's no sort of main goal scorer there is there it's it's it seems quite Definitely spread not, out yeah 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 I thought Brian defended really really well in this game against Chelsea and whilst I didn't expect them to win I thought actually it was encouraging to see them continue to play well I thought Ryan was really good Ryan made eight saves in the game which is annoying because if he'd just made that nine, then everyone would have had a nice extra mm. point. Um, but yeah, I still think they played really well. Um, obviously, the problem is that they need to score. Yeah, and also if you look at the way that they conceded, it was I can't from an remember individual the goal. Oh, mistake. One was a penalty. I thought the penalty was was really unfortunate. And it was, I don't. It was Webster, think, wasn't it? He yeah, passed it and, back to Ryan, and he just messed up the touch, and and that. Yeah, and I don't think he even messed it up that bad. I think it was just really unfortunate that he just didn't get to it in time. If you look at the actual way the goals were scored, and I think Chelsea actually had a fantastic XG in this game. It was something like 4 to like 0.2 or something. Rude. So Chelsea, in terms of their chance creation, were very good. Uh, but I think that just shows that Ryan had a really good game and their, their mm. finishing wasn't quite up to it because, yeah, Tammy Abraham was kept out on a number of occasions by Matt Ryan. And... I just think that's uh you're gonna see that more from Tammy, right? Like he's not a perfect finisher. He's still a young player. But the good thing and the encouraging thing, if you are an owner of Tammy, is he's not gonna have any shortage of opportunities to score. He just might be a little bit frustrating because he's not like Aguero tier when it comes to finishing. Yeah. He's Which is fine because that's kind of what you're paying for at yeah, seven yeah, point exactly. whatever he is. Exactly. So it's all about expectations and yeah, he's not going to get seven goals every three games. That's not realistic, but um, he is getting opportunities and Chelsea do have a really nice run of fixtures. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, like Brighton, they keep a clean sheet if they don't concede that penalty. Well, you know, maybe I'm being slightly, uh, slightly disingenuous there. You don't quite know that that's the case, but the first goal changes the game. And yeah. when you're a team that is struggling to hit the back of the net by... Uh, like Brighton that is a problem um but I think they'll get better as the season goes on like their players mm. are playing a very new style of football and they don't have to play top six teams every week so that is a, a positive for them I, I think they do still look good defensively for the most part and and like you say Matt Ryan eight saves it's he's a very good goalkeeper 
Um, I think also Southampton are in a similar situation. Obviously, Danny Ings got his goal through tackling Hugo Lloris with <laughs> yet another sort of dreadful error. And it was another game where Southampton really, they, they were the better, uh, better team for most of it. And at the end of the day, it just came down to Harry Kane finished his one chance and it was a really good break from Spurs. And that's kind of the difference you're seeing between a lot of these uh, sort of these lower ranked teams who are trying to play the more expansive styles of football. You're starting to see that the problem really at the moment for them is just getting the uh, decision making right in the final third and making their chances and their possession count. And uh, I I think over the course of the season, we might start to see some improvement there. Obviously, Redmond is back for Southampton. So that's good. And my favourite thing of the week Uh, I didn't realise that Watford had so um, epically committed to the long game. So it was, who was on match of the day? It was... Ian Wright and Jermaine Genus. Yeah, uh, Jermaine Genus was like, Watford scored four, conceded 20. And I was like, oh shit, Watford did this for the memes. They, they've literally, their entire season so far, conceding so many goals, it was all a stupid internet 420 meme. That is the reason they suck. And they're all going to be good now because Kike Sanchez-Flores has made his joke. He's had his time. Now Watford have got to, got to start playing. All right, should we move on to the Denalysis Domestic? Woo! This week's top scorer uh, with 75 points is someone whose name I'm going to butcher. And for this episode i'm gonna call you pella scavellius i think that sounds like a pretty good effort actually thank you they captained vardy that was That's that impressive. was what they did that was what they did good um and apparently you were talking about doing this on the podcast last week because my mum <sighs> mentioned it <laughs> she listened oh, <laughs> she listened thanks, to see if Denise. she got a shout out and she did and she was very happy about that and then she was like did natalie captain vardy to me and i was like I don't even remember Nat saying that, but yeah, <laughs> apparently you were well on the Vardy train, and I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I did really want to, but I bottled it. And our, the league leader is still Mikey, whose surname I got wrong last week, but I don't know how to pronounce it properly. But last week I said McLeod, but I guess it's McLeod. Anyway, it doesn't okay. fucking matter. You're top. Who gives a shit? Not us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just want to knock you off, Mikey. Oh, that That's... sounds weird. That's not what I meant. Knock you off the top. Not like. (laughs) It's very passing the clap, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is indeed. Uh, Yeah, cool. Well done to those guys. And you'll be pleased to hear that I did beat my mum in our head to head league this week because Firmino Salah and Mane did absolutely nothing. And my double up, my double up on the Liverpool defence paid dividends. Right, let's look ahead to game week eight, see what we're doing, who we captain in, what what we're saying about it. Early kickoff, Brighton Spurs, ignore it. Fire yeah, it into the I'm sun. I'm quite excited. Um, I want to, I mean, I want to see Brighton wreck them. Well, to Spurs be have just conceded seven goals at home. So maybe away from home to Brighton, it's, it's the perfect opportunity. Oh, Alzate is going to get hype up hmm. in there. Yeah. Yeah, I think what you do have a situation here. Brighton will be obviously playing in front of their own fans which is always a positive i think the fans would probably look at this game and think there's an opportunity here like there might be a good sort of vibe around the ground and if they can spur them on a bit <laughs> spur them on 
you never know what could happen if they can get that first goal maybe maybe it can come come to life a little bit so I think this is certainly an opportunity for them and I think Spurs defense is is questionable I don't think Alderweireld's been particularly good I think Vertonghen similarly weak in defense Aurier is of course going to be banned for this match because he got himself sent off last week and yeah it, it looks like a good opportunity but no captains here for me. I would not go near Harry Kane, even if I had him, or Son, for that matter, because I think Brighton is still, they're still good defensively. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan will save every shot. He will make sure no goals squeeze, sneak past him. Um, we got a bunch of 3, 3 p.m.s. Only four this week, though, which is a little bit sad. Uh, Burnley play Everton, which looks like an interesting sort of upper mid-table clash. Uh, yeah. Liverpool versus Leicester, Norwich versus Aston Villa, and Watford versus Sheffield United. What are you, um, what are you saying about about these? I think Burnley Everton is quite hard to call, and I think actually I'm going to bench Fardy for Liverpool Leicester. I just don't really see that happening hmm. for Vardy. I don't know. I could be wrong, but I don't like the sound of it. Yeah, as the football men like to say. I think Liverpool will be a bit too streetwise for Leicester in this one. I think Liverpool have done a lot of development over the last few years and a Leicester team that really struggles to create high-quality chances is going to struggle against Van Dijk and co. So I think this is probably a good... It's usually not a good idea to bench some of your best players, but I can can see an argument for it. it. It really depends who comes in instead. Yeah, it's to, like it's to, for me in my eyes. It's two points for Vardy. Yeah, here. yeah, maybe a yellow card as well. Well, maybe. Maybe <laughs> he does like a yellow card. Burnley Everton. I'm not sure about Nick Pope. No, I'm re- it, I like I'm playing Pope because I don't want to play Heaton away at Norwich because I yeah. do think Norwich will have to score in this game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't really like Pope for this either. Um, I just, mm, yeah, I don't know. I don't, it's hard. It's tough. Yeah, so I've, uh, Angus Gunn is my other goalkeeper. And obviously that was, yet again, a disappointment against um, <gasps> against Spurs. But I like the idea of having him against Chelsea in a home game. It just has that, I'm kind of skipping ahead here, but like, I like that idea of having someone who could potentially, a Chelsea side that creates a lot, I think there could quite feasibly be a situation where Southampton go one goal up because their defence is a little bit dodgy and then all Mm. of a sudden Southampton have something to hold on to and they face a lot of shots and and Gunn has a lot of opportunities to save. Whereas I think Burnley versus Everton, that looks like the kind of game where you either get six points from Nick Pope or Everton score with their first shot on target. I I don't think there, there are going to be a lot of shots from Everton because I think they're... Uh, their attacking performances, besides the one against City, really, have, have left a lot to be desired. Mm. Um, Norwich Aston Villa is a very interesting one and yeah. a little bit annoying that this isn't on TV because I think it would be a lot better than West Ham versus Palace, which is a, the late kickoff. Do you think there's maybe there, there are some pookie owners out there thinking they might put their little captaincy on him? Yeah, I was just thinking that and I don't I, like. If you if you differential clock, then mm. yeah, I, why not? To be honest, well, Aston Villa have proven themselves to be. I, I think they look defensively organised, but 
they have this tendency to just concede silly goals. Mm. And that has to be something that Norwich, in a home game, they're going to be looking to exploit that. So I could quite easily see this being two points for Puki, but also just as easily see it being 12 12 points. points. And that's kind of the risk you take, right? Um, For sure. What about Liverpool against Leicester? Do you think that, are you going to look at a Liverpool captain or elsewhere? No. No. Elsewhere. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, Liverpool to me, and I think I probably said this a few weeks ago, they are looking like a solid team more than a, a high-scoring team. Yeah, uh, like they will the win this game. Yeah, absolutely. But I can't see it being like 3-4-0. Maybe a, maybe a 2-0. Maybe some goals from random people as well. Yeah. Uh, okay, Watford-Sheffield United should be a very interesting one. I think Sheffield United are looking at this and they're like, we're going to win this motherfucking yeah, game really back sheffield hard for this hmm. um i don't know what sheffield players anyone would have to play other than lindstrom, lindstrom but well yeah, watford can't the... score goals so that's you know that's that. and also holobas is still on zero points for the season oh, it's so fun and he's isn't had it? six starts he's so useless how does he do it that's like that that's a genuine like that must be the probability of that happening to a specific like one player yeah must be so so slim um how long can he keep it up yeah how long can he he must be on the he must be on the way for a oh you know what i haven't bought back yellow card corner i forgot i know oh i'll bring it back for the the preview next one Um, i will but he must be on track for a, a a week off i reckon yeah he must be close well if you're playing anti fantasy he is worth oh. his weight in gold. Captain him every week. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> in fact, actually, Milivojevic, who got his, um, his fifth yellow card at the weekend, so he is banned next game. Oh, is he really? Yeah, I no noticed way. that the week, during last week. Um, really, I knew he'd picked up a few, but I didn't realise he was on four. But How yeah, he got one. He- How has he got himself five yellow cards in seven games? I don't know. It's quite impressive, isn't it? Even Holobas hasn't done that. And he's on yeah. zero points. <laughs> like, More quiet. That is but amazing. Yeah, that is, it is quite impressive. That's um, a, I was going to say a big miss, but I, I don't actually know what he does for them besides scoring penalties, really. I, I think he's a good technical player. Yeah, keeps the team hype, I reckon. Mm, yeah, because they know. They know they'll get that sweet penalty goal. Yeah, Holobas is all. on four yellow cards. Yeah, well, that's no surprise, is it? My guy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's going to be a really interesting game. And I actually, at the moment, I'm looking at Sheffield United and I'm thinking they are the best of the promoted teams because although they don't score as much as, as Norwich, for example, they they just look to really control games in a in a smart way and they look good at both ends of the pitch. So I've been really, really impressed by them. And Watford, on the other hand, not so impressed. Yeah. Uh, and, and the new manager bounce has done literally nothing. It got them a draw mm-hmm. against Arsenal, and now that looks even worse. Um, and West Ham Palace is a late kickoff. This is, of course, why I'm playing Issa Diop, because Crystal Palace, they're just not very good at scoring goals. And with penalty king Milivojevic not on the pitch, even if they get a penalty, matey boy Roberto, or is that his name? The replacement goalkeeper? I think it is Roberto. I have no idea. Yep. He, I don't think he's a good goalkeeper, by the way. So I'm going to be a little bit worried. Okay. But 
Palace, yeah, they don't really create an awful lot of chances. And this does look to me like the sort of game West Ham are at home. They should be able to control it. They should be able to get the win here. And West Ham have looked really quite impressive for the majority of the season so far. It was at this point that Dan decided to uh, mute himself. So you've just got me for the next five minutes. Um, Sunday's fixtures, we both decided that by far and away the obvious choice for captain is Aubameyang for this game week. Um, Mostly because Bournemouth are terrible and also Aubameyang can't not score. But any Man City attacker is also worth a shot. Like, I'm going to stick with Sterling again because I'm boring and I quite like just committing now. Um, Tammy is also an option, but it just doesn't... I don't know, it doesn't sit as nicely as the other two, but if you want a bit of a differential captain, he's where to go. Uh, unfortunately, we have been left with a really terrible 4.30 fixture of Newcastle versus Man United, and I don't know who would watch. I can't imagine even Newcastle or Man United fans have got time to watch this game at 4.30. There are better things you could be doing with your Sunday than that. Uh, clean sheet cup for anyone who cares. I don't know how many of you there are. Dan said Liverpool, and I said something else. It would have been really good if I'd got that up ready to talk about but I didn't because preparation she's not really key um well I don't know Dan said something and I said something else that's the feeling yes Dan said Liverpool and I said West Ham because we believe in Diop even though Fabianski is currently deceased um and that's kind of it. That's that's the thing. Um, if you enjoyed this podcast, thank you. Um, if you'd like to rate and review, subscribe on your chosen podcast app. Reviewing and rating on Apple Podcasts is so very helpful and handy. And we'd be super, super grateful if you were to do that. If you rate as well, you don't actually have to write a review. You can just click the stars and be done with it. But a review would be so lovely. Um, if you want to get in touch with us during the week you can we're on twitter at the denalysis and also you can email us um, on hello at the denalysis.com because of the international break we won't be immediately returning we'll be back the week after next with a little october november preview um, so until then good luck enjoy yourself don't get too bogged down in internationals or in the rugby world cup which is happening for people who are lame who like rugby um so until next time bye